and so when Elijah confronted them on Mount Carmel, what does it say? The next verse it says, and the people answered him not a word. Mm. So you can either get offended of this message and you can be quiet and just like draw back and mm-hmm. just like not. But but you're but if you do that, you're not of like the Joshua generation. And that's and I was talking to God about this. If you go over to uh, you you go over to uh, Joshua, and Joshua Joshua says this same concept because. The Joshua generation, they served God. As long as Joshua was alive, as long as the elders were alive, they served <coughs> God. Why? Because Joshua was standing, and he held to this standard of not uh, mixing with the other nations and their gods. And so then it kept the people, the elders were right. The people were living upright. They were holding that standard, and so then the people followed behind it. Uh, and you know when the when the when the righteous rule the city's blessed you know they they follow behind that, but in uh, here in Joshua, uh, Joshua says um, in verse fourteen of twenty four chapter twenty four verse thirteen says now therefore fear the Lord serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, or bad, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father served or were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Israelites <coughs> whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve Come the on. Lord. And so, and this is what the people said. This is in contrast to 1 Kings 18, where the people didn't answer him a word. This is what these people say, verse 17. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he has brought us out, uh, <coughs> brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt. So these people respond. Joshua challenges them again and says, You can't serve God. They come back and say, We will serve God. See, that's the response to this message people need to have is in the midst of being confronted with you can't serve two masters, you can't you know, be friends with the world, what is your response going to be? Are you going to be of the Joshua generation that responds with, we will serve the God, serve God? Because they can serve God, they just can't serve God and mammon. They just can't serve God and be a friend of the world. And that's what Joshua is confronting them with. Like what Peter says, you have eyes full of adultery, so then you can't cease from sin. It's not that they can't cease from sin, but as long as they have eyes full of adultery, they're not ceasing from sin. So either choose to be all in or all out, but stop halting between two opinions. Mm. Yeah, that's strong. Uh, and, and, and that's the truth. He's, he's asking, he, says, he asked him, he says, choose you to say whom you will serve. You know, make a choice. But don't, don't, don't say you're serving God and you're still playing around with your old life and you're still hanging, you're still rooming up with the, with the guy, with the person you was, was having sexual immorality with or prostitution or whatever it might have been. Or are you going to the world and you're thinking, well, I, I need to go find me a wife, so I'm going to just go fi- out in the world and find that? Why? Why? Why do you need to do that? You're still living in the realm of self? You're still trying to please yourself and trying to think, well, I need to have this and that? I thought you lost your life. I thought it's all about living for the Lord. I didn't know it was about you, you have to find somebody to, so you're not all alone and all this kind of stuff. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Who are you? Paul said, if I, be, if I seek to please men, then I'm not the servant of God. 
one of the two. He says, if you go seek to please men or seek to yourself, you're not the servant of God. That's the way it says, and I like, I like what the scripture he brought out in Judges, when uh, uh, West did just now, and he said to them, he, he says to them to, to choose, and he, and he says, um, why, but you have not obeyed my voice, why have you done this? Why have you done this? You went out and you, and you broke my covenant because you made leagues with the, with the heathen, with the person of the world out there, with somebody that claims to be a Christian that's not. And you've not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Why are you doing this? Why aren't you cutting it loose? You say, well, I can't afford to. Well, it or all these excuses are, I'm tired of being alone, or whatever it might be, I'm not going to live on the street. You know what? Your, your heart, if you're really for God, you do whatever it takes. You lose your life. You suffer the loss of all things to walk in obedience to God. But don't, don't tell me about, well, I want my children saved or I want to be a testimony to somebody else when you're still living in, in junk from the past or you're still chasing after the world like the rest of them are. The Bible says the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Right. And so if you're if you're if you're compromising and you're hanging out with the world, you are absolutely lukewarm. And uh, and he will spit you out of his mouth. Amen. You're doing it you're doing it for not for nothing. You're 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 uh, you're acting a certain way and, and doing and saying what you're doing and, and he's gonna spit you out of his mouth. <coughs> Amen. Get hot or cold. Amen. Go back to a uh, second Corinthians six, let's finish up there. So we went over what, right, what fellowship does righteousness or what hanging out with someone uh, with, that's righteous with someone who's unrighteous. Maybe you want to say, well, you know what? I'm unrighteous, so I can hang out with the unrighteous. There you go. Go, go for it, man. But don't, don't waste your time here. Don't waste your time fooling around with us. You know, it, it, we don't need you to buddy up at a power up with us. We don't need you to come. You know, you just, go, just go finish up what you want to do out there. You want to play halfway? Play halfway somewhere else. Because we're serious, I'm serious about the Lord, and that's the way I want it to be, you know, so that, it's up to you. But he says, he says, and what communion does light have with darkness? Okay, let's define those two terms. What is light and what is darkness? Can they fellowship together? Does, we'll, we'll, go, we'll take a couple of scriptures. The Bible says in, first, first, in the book of John chapter 3 that this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Who is that? Jesus, and but men hated darkness. What was that? They were, they, they loved the darkness. Men loved darkness rather than light. Righteousness, Christ. So he says, that lest they come to the light and their deeds be exposed. The scripture says, if we will walk, if we say that we walk in the light, in righteousness, but walk in, but yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. We're lying. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So we see clearly in the scripture when it talks about light, it's talking about purity, holiness, righteousness. But if we're talking about darkness, we're talking about evil, 
sin, Satan, the devil. That's light and that's darkness. So what fellowship does light have with darkness? They can't have it, can they? It won't work. All right, let's go further. What concord has Christ with Belial, with the devil? But what's, what, if a person sins, he's what? He's of the what? He's of the devil. But a person walking in righteousness is of who? God. So what, what kind of fellowship can, does that mix? That can't mix. So why are you trying to mix it? Or what part, here's a good one. What part does a believer have with an unbeliever? The word believe, as we know it, means fidelity, right? Faithfulness. So what part does a, was one that obeys God with one that doesn't obey God? One that's walking in obedience, what part of fellowship, of fellowship does he have with one that doesn't obey, obey Jesus? Tell me these things because I'm seeing this in, in a lot of your lives and I'm reading this and I'm like, am I not getting something? Or do we just tear this part and we just don't live this part of the life? I need to know. Because you know what? I don't want to fellowship with you. If you want to hang out with the world and you want to be yoked up with the world and you want to hang out and you want to still be with your old stuff, I don't want to fellowship with you. My Bible tells me not to fellowship with you. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Yeah, Eric. Yeah, this is really important. And I think, uh, you know, folks, people should re-examine some of these terms. In particular, we've mentioned born again. You know, to be born again, we're already born once into this world. To be born again, something has to be put to death to be born again. And consider the word, it's simple, consider the word death. There's no part of life in death. So when you put something to death and are truly born again, that is gone. Uh, I'm always conscious of what Paul <coughs> reminded us of in chapter 6 in Romans. And uh, um, when he posed that question, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Amen. It's an impossibility. So you need to examine yourself, re-examine yourself to see if you're accurate with what these terms mean and you're living in Christ at rest, a relationship of rest, and in that fixed position with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Good word. Good word, Eric. Praise the Lord. Uh, guys, uh, you're going either, to either live this word or, or you're not. Um, what did Jesus say? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You can't throw this part out and say, well, you know what? It's okay for me to fornicate with my girlfriend. It's okay for me to have a girlfriend that's not, not in Christ. Are you kidding me? What Bible are you reading? Is this just something you think you're going to concoct in your mind and you're going to fool God and fool everybody else with? You need to really get things right. Because you, you play, you're playing around with this thing and you don't have any time to play around with it. You're thinking, well, maybe I will later on when I get older. When, you don't have later on. You don't have that. You don't know what you got. You're here and then you're gone. You don't, you're not promised tomorrow. You only have right now. Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, to go along with uh, what you were saying, in, uh, in Revelation chapter 2, in, in 
one of the churches, the compromising church, uh, Pergamos. It says, obviously commends them, thing, commends them, and says, and you, you hold fast to my name and did not deny my, the faith. Even in the day with Antipas, my faithful martyr, so he commends them for good things. So these churches in the book of Revelation, they had good things that they were doing. But he says, but I have a few things against you because you have, have, have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, <coughs> to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. And so, <coughs> what is it? What is the doctrine of Balaam? I mean, and Judith says they run, they ran riotously in the way of, of Balaam, you know, and, and what was her message? They turned the grace of God into a license That's right. for immorality, but if you go back to this in Numbers chapter 24, or tw it's probably 23, 24, and 25, but at the end, Balaam can't curse Israel. He can't curse them. He can just bless them, so what he counsels with Balak to send in the Moabite women so that they would link up with these Moabite women mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. what does Israel do? They fall prey to the de deception right. of just compromising with getting with another nation. What is What happens? Chapter 25 happens. It says, Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove and the people began to commit har harlotry with the women of Moab. They in it says they invited the people to sacrifice of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. And Israel was joined to Bela Peor. So that's what happens. You end up getting captivated by the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and next thing you know, yep. you're serving their gods. Yep. They're not serving your gods. And so you you know, you, you stand from afar. You know, and you and you and you pour into them, but once they start pouring into you, and you link up with them yep. into that worldly lifestyle yep. that they're living in. You're linking up with their gods, and like Judges two three says, their gods are going to be a snare to you and a thorn to your side, and then you're going to be like, "Wow, what happened?" Well, what happened was is you linked up to them. That's right. You know, Amen. it's like what one man said about Samson. He said if Samson would have stayed on his knees, he wouldn't have been on Delilah's knees, and then he would have, he wouldn't have broken covenant. That's the problem. Yeah, that's right. He did the same thing. He, he Samson did the same thing. Good point, Wes. And that is that God wanted him to stay with his people, and he went off with the Philistines and ended up causing ruin to his to his to himself and his and his whole house. Here in First Corinthians chapter five, a very very important chapter that we've been over before. In in chapter five, uh, we have here a um, a, per, a, a church, the church of Corinth, and there's a person that uh, is affecting the church. How is he affecting the church? He's committing sexual immorality in the church, and Paul is confronting them and said, you should have already judged this matter, but instead you've gloried in it. It's like you've let it go. And, and he's, re he's rebuking the church there for letting this go. He said, instead of confronting that, he says, you're, you're, you're glorying in it. He says, but I'm, I'm going to confront it right, right to you, and this is what you must do. You say, because they weren't, they weren't bringing it out. And that's what we're doing this morning, is I'm bringing this out. I'm confronting the issues. I'm doing what Paul did to this church. I'm not just letting it go and say, well, we're just going to let it go. Just give them time. Just, just let all this go. No, I'm, it's got to be confronted. It's got to be dealt with.
It's time to sever these old relationships, get away from these people that you were with before that, that were of the world. They unrepented. They, they have not repented. You're still around them. What are you doing? Come out from among them, he says. So here's this person, and he says, he says, I want you to turn him over to Satan. I want you to get him out of there. I want you to expel him so that he learns not to, not to do these things. And he says, and he calls it, he says, purge out. Cut it out. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, unleavened, for even Christ our Passover sacrifice for us. What is he saying? He's saying, if you take a little, little bit of leaven, it'll leaven the whole lump. It'll mess the whole thing up. If you take one bad apple and you put it in a bowl with a bunch of good apples, what's going to happen, Terry? You're going to get a bunch of bad apples because there's going to be an influence. You cannot... You cannot play with the world and not expect to be influenced by it. There's going to be an influence, like, like the scripture was talking about, that these people, it's going to, it's going to have, have things that you're going to begin to compromise in. Maybe you, maybe you never drank before. Maybe you, all of a sudden, oh, well, gee, drinks, so I'm going to drink along with them. Oh, well, they say a little cuss word. That's okay. We're going to let it go. You know, well, they, they have some doctrines that are wrong. They believe homosexuality is fine, so we're just going to let that go. You know, and, and you, you've compromised. You're, you're, you're not worth anything. You, you're rotten all over. You, 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 you've got mixed with the bad apples, and you're just as rotten as the bad apple now. Mess. Let's look at this closely. Let's look at this really closely in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And let's put your name in there. Let's put your life in there. How, does it, how is it adding up to what it says here? And let's be honest with ourselves. And let's see if we're really doing what it says here. Let, let's look at um, verse 9 of chapter, uh, of chapter 5 here. He says, I wrote unto you an epistle, not to company with fornicators. What is a fornicator? Fornicator is someone who has sex outside of marriage. Or any type of, actually the word fornicate there mean actually, actually means sexual immorality. Any kind of sex, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's any of that. He says, I've wrote to you in a letter. Don't company with them. Don't hang out with them. Share the gospel and get away from them. Is that clear? That's pretty clear, isn't it? Anybody got any comment on that? Anybody can help me understand that better, that I'm not making it clear. He says, yet not altogether with the fornicators of the world, or with the covetous or extortioners or without dollars, for then you'd have to go out of the world. Why? Because you have to buy groceries, you have to go do things, so you have to intermix, you have jobs that you work on, so you're going to have some mix with them. He says, so you're not going to really get, get away from them completely, but get the point that he's making. The point that he's making, don't hang out with them. Don't pile up with them. And he's going to get in, into more detail here of exactly what he's talking about here. He says, but now, right now, Verse 11, I'm writing to you not to keep company. What, what does keep company mean? Let, let's just clarify that. Socialize. Socialize, okay. Uh, keep company, hang out. I think, I think socialize goes along with you're in the world. There might be some socializing, but I'm, I mean bringing into your house and hanging out, like really hanging out. Um, <coughs> you have to define, I don't, I don't think that you yeah, we're talking about that's why he says yet not all together, Ben. But but he's talking about as far as you piling up with. I mean, okay. Like calling, discussing, or count, getting counsel. At one point, 
You know, I mean, you know, looking to somebody, hey, man, what do you think about this? If they're an unbeliever, you're in the wrong. Yeah, if, if you're going for it for work, then, then, then you're talking work. You know, you're not, are you talking, sharing the Lord with? But you're not getting into all your, your uh, personal uh, stuff, or that, your partying, your, your, all your junk, all your, your co- regular old conversation. Uh, you, you're not company with that. You're not, you're not part of that. What were you going to say, Senator? It's not a recreational relationship. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's right. If, if, but here he says, I'm, I'm writing to you now, and I, I'm, uh, that if any man that is called a brother... Okay, here we go now. Here we go. Now, now we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. Any man that's called a brother, what is that? Somebody that calls himself a what? Christian. A Christian. Okay, say somebody calls himself a brother. Now, you're going to get ready to see here that there's a harsher judgment on that. Even more harsh than if somebody doesn't call themselves a Christian, then... You, you have more right to be around them than you have to be around the right of the man that calls himself a brother and is not living this life. He's making a distinguishment there, a separation there of the importance of what you need to do if somebody is calling himself a brother or a sister. This is what he's going to say here. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, I know people, I don't know about you, does anybody know anybody calls himself a brother that's a fornicator? that has sex outside of marriage. You probably all know people like all over the place, right? And they're in the churches and they're all over the places and they, 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 they're committing fornication. Okay, let's go a little bit deeper with that. Sexual immorality. Do you know anybody that, that calls himself a brother that maybe looks at porn? A lot of them. Now, it looks at a lot, or you go, go by them and you, all you do is you see their eyes following, following other women and following other men because they're thinking on that all the time and they're lusting with their eyes, and they, uh, they, then, then they, they doing the same thing. That's the same thing as a fornicator. They call themselves a brother, but, they, but they're, they're lusting on other women all the time, or vice versa. Or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, <coughs> or a drunkard. And what's a drunkard? A drunkard is somebody who gets drunk, right? But you know what the Bible says? To be sober-minded. Anything that you're not completely sober, you're drunk. So don't think, well, I, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but, but I drink every now and then. It's fine, you know, I get a little buzz. Or I puff on a little bit of marijuana. I mean, you, you're, you're, not, you're no Christian. You're playing games. I'm not even supposed to be around you. Or an extortioner. With such a one like this, you don't even eat with them. You don't socialize with them. Now, is that clear? What, what, what's, what am I not getting about this? Because I'm seeing this still happen. I'm, so, I'm seeing people that are still hanging out and still part of that and, and still uh, uh, socializing with these people. Oh, well, I've been knowing him a long time. And, and you know, I, I'm, talk, I'm talking about the Lord a little bit with him. And we talk about everything else, too. He's not interested. He just wants to be there with you and just, just socialize with you. You know how many people are really serious about walking with the Lord? You know how many people are willing to lose their life or have lost their life in Christ? You know what the problem is? There's no desire and there's no fear of God. 
Woe unto those even, even here that listen my to my voice. Do you have the fear of God in your life? Do you have the fear of God? Are you fearful of him that is able to cast your soul into hell? Do you have an, a, a great desire that you're spending time on your knees crying out to God, seeking him with all your heart? Or you really don't have enough time for that? You're really too busy watching your TV or on your social medias or your YouTubes and you don't have any time for the Lord. Paul writes here in verse 12, he says, What have I to do to judge them also that are without? Those that are out in the world. I don't need to worry about judging them. He says, Do not ye judge them that are within. He says, You need to, you need to judge those situations. Somebody's in the body of Christ and they're not living right and they're professing to be a Christian, judge it. That's a command from God. That's not an option. It's not something that you think, well, I don't want to judge nobody. If you don't judge them, you're sinning. Because he said you're to judge those that are within. But them that are within, God judges. Therefore, put away from you among, among yourselves that wicked person. Get him away from you. Oh, the world looks at that like, oh man, that's just so wrong. You're judging that person. You're putting yourself ahead, ab above that person. You're telling them to get away from you. How am I going to be a witness to them? All this kind of stuff that tries to make them compromise and justify their sin. My Bible tells me to put that person away from me. The world tells me, oh no, don't judge them. Under be understanding where they're at and just lovey-dovey them. It's not what my Bible tells me. To love them is to really tell them enough and tell them the truth so that they can go back and repent and get things right with God. My. I'm going to yoke up. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 while we're right here. Yeah, Wes. Yeah, with the rich young ruler with Jesus, Jesus could have easily just said, hey, come follow me. <coughs> you know, eventually give your stuff away or eventually make things right. But the scripture says he loved him. He loved him by what? Telling him the truth and then saying either get in or get out. He, was, he didn't just say, hey, you know what? He'll eventually get in. You know, just, you know, hang out with me for a little bit. <laughs> no, he confronted the other <coughs> hand, which was, you know, you, you have this idol in your life, which is you're, you're serving your things and you're trying to serve God. Yeah, you're doing a lot of these different things. That, that you've been doing them since you were young. Yeah, I mean, all those things that he was obeying, Jesus didn't say you didn't. He actually was like, probably sound like he believed that he did, was, was doing all those things from his youth. But the reality is, is you're still holding on to this one thing. So just like the churches, you, I have, you do all these good things, but this I have against you. Repent or else, I will take away the way of saying, repent or else, you know, I'm going to throw you into tribulation. Like all those different things, there's, there's you know, it's a crossroads. And, and the love that Jesus had for them was that he was willing to confront them. You're not loving them if you're leaving them in that. You're hating them. You're 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 That's right. you're a codependent to their sin, and therefore, like Ezekiel says, if you don't warn them, 
their blood guilt will be on your hands. So that's that's really the danger of that is standing before God and being rejected, not just because of your lifestyle, but because you you didn't have the guts to stand up and really tell them the truth in love. Because better is what does it say? Better is secret. Uh, open rebuke is then the love that is hidden. Love. Yes. Secret love is not love. It's That's hidden. right. That's right. Tell the truth. Amen. In James chapter 4, and in verse 4, an important scripture there, he says, You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world, he's the enemy of God. It's not that you're not just quite right with God. You are an enemy of God. Because God hates that. You yoke up with the world, you're an enemy of God. You're against God. God is not on your side. You've You've turned your own way and you're going your own way. This is the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I want to confront another issue. We got some brethren in the, in the fellowship that I'm so proud of that um, are single, men and women in the fellowship. And uh, I listen to them, and I'm, I'm really proud of their commitments to the Lord, that, they, um, that they're content in the Lord and in, in the situation they're in. They're content. The Bible says to be content in whatsoever situation you're in, whatsoever state you're in. Um, They are not seeking a wife. They are not seeking a husband. But they are seeking the Lord. They have found that place in Jesus Christ that they have need of nothing. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2 that he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And they have need of nothing. That they're satisfied with whatever the Lord has. If the Lord puts a wife or a husband in their life, they're happy with that. If not, they're happy with that. But they're not going out pursuing some woman of the world or some pretty woman out there thinking, well, you know, I'll, I'll get me a wife. And go try to find somebody and compromise their state and their, and their walk in the Lord thinking, well, she says she's a Christian. Well, she lives a pretty good life. Yeah, well, she'll come along. No, they won't do it. They won't do it because they don't want a stumbling block in their life. They don't want that distraction in their life. And they're standing in the Lord and saying, Lord, you be my husband. You're my husband, Lord. I'm your bride. I'll be content with whatever you have, Lord. I I don't have to have that. What a great stand. I'm, I'm so thankful for the men and women in our fellowship like that, that are in, at that place of contentment. And I want to read some scriptures to you. Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul was a man of himself who was a single man. And he encouraged other men to be single and stay single and to live it for the Lord because the time is short. And he goes on and he talks about this and he, and he says... Uh, <coughs> He says in verse 1 of chapter 7, Now concerning the thing, things wherever I wrote, we wrote unto, unto me, it, <coughs> it is good for a man not to live in marriage with a woman. So that's a good thing. 
Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every, every woman have her own husband. <coughs> Excuse me. And he talks about not to fraud, and we're going to go, go down. Uh, he says, verse 8, Verse 7, but I would that all men were even as I myself, single. But every man has his proper gift of God, one after this man, another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they, if they abide even as I. So he's saying this is a good thing. But if they can't contain, let them marry. Or it's better to marry than to burn with the, such a desire. Uh, and then he goes on and he talks about the married. And I want to get into a, that uh, just a bit. Um, I'm gonna skip over some things, but uh, uh, let's 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 move move with it. Uh, I want to go like verse 12. But to the rest, I speak not. I, uh, speak I not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him let him not put her away. And the wife, woman which has a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let him not leave her. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they're holy because of the one that's believing. The children are not illegitimate. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou whether thou shalt save thy husband, and knowest thou whether thou shalt save thy wife? But as the Lord has distributed every man, as the Lord has called everyone, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all the churches. Is any among you called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. <clears throat> and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandment of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Or if thou call being a servant, care not for it. But if thou be free, use it rather. Uh, let's go, skip down some here. Um. <coughs> Verse 26. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man... So to be, art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Are you married? Then don't seek to be loosed from your marriage. Don't seek to get out of your marriage. Make it work. Art thou loosed from a marriage? You've been loosed from a wife? Perhaps the wife has left you? Perhaps the unbeliever has left you and you're not in bondage in such a case? What does he say? Seek not a wife. That's what Paul says. To the church. Don't go seek a wife if you've been loose from a wife. Don't go jump back in the same thing again. But if you marry, if thou married, thou hast not sinned. And if, the, and, and if a virgin marries, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall, shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. If you go back and you marry, you're going to have some trouble in the flesh. Matter of fact, let's go toward the end of the chapter here. He says, verse 39 the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will. Listen to what it says. Only in the Lord. So if you've been loosed from a wife, seek not a wife, but if you do marry, you marry only in the Lord. Now, do we have to define again what only in the Lord means? It means only someone that is living that life in holiness and righteousness without sin. You don't go seek some woman out there that's not living in the Lord. What is wrong with you? 
Why are you doing that? Why are you not cutting off these old relationships? You had these sexual relationships with people and you're still living with them. Why are you doing that? Why haven't you come out from among them? Remember what the Lord said? Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's finish up there. He says this. We, we ended in verse 15 where it says, and what, the, what, what part does a believer have with an unbeliever? What agreement does the temple of God have with an idol? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Only, why? How can that be? Only if you remain holy. Only if you don't yoke up with an unbeliever. Only if you're not yoking up and, and hanging out with that. Then he says it because why? He wants a pure people. He called us to be holy and pure and blameless. Wherefore, come out from among them. Come out. Come on now. You hear me? Come out. Get out of that situation. Get out of that. Sever it. What's it going to cost? I don't care what it costs. I don't care if you got to live on the street. Be obedient to God. Be pleasing to God. What is it if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? Do what the Lord says no matter what the cost is. Come out from among them and be separate. Why do, why do you think the Lord said, if your arm offend you, cut it off? If your five eye offend you, pluck it out. That's pretty serious, isn't it? That's more serious than, hey, if I'm living with somebody that I had a sex relationship with before, for me to move out and live on the street. Living on the street would be easier than pulling my eye out of my head. I out of my socket. Do what the Lord says. What does he say here? Wherefore, come out from among them. Don't be like the world. I know, I'm going to be there in a minute. Come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. Don't touch the one that, who's unclean. The one that's got some sin still in their life. They're unclean. Don't touch the unclean thing. And touch not the unclean thing. And then, only then, Will I receive you? I'm not going to receive you like you are. You're fooling yourself. You're thinking you're okay with God. You're thinking it's just fine with God that I'm doing all this. You're not. Don't fool yourself. God's not receiving you. You need to repent. You need to walk away from those relationships. You need to say, well, well I got all this head belief and I understand all these doctrines and I understand all this truth, but you're still living like the devil. You hadn't been obedient to God. God has not received you yet. I don't care what you feel. I don't care how well you can talk it. I don't care what you can say. This is the word of God. Matt? Yeah, brother, great word. And uh, I wanted to go to 1 Corinthians 15 because there's a lot of times that we will have this self-deception in our head. Well, I'll just be a good influence in that person. I, I'm not doing the things they're doing. I'm <coughs> in a good way. And they're deceiving themselves into thinking that they are actually going to change the person. When Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, at verse 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. That's right. He doesn't say it's the other way around. He said, hey, well, just hang out with them. Good, good habits are eventually going to change evil company. That's not what he says. Don't be deceived. And then right after that, he says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Amen. So we can't deceive ourselves into thinking, oh, well, this ain't going to corrupt me. Solomon did that, and he was led astray in that yep. idolatry with many wives. Yep. Uh, just as you and, and Wes have, have shared, uh, Proverbs 12 
has a really good verse, I think, about this as well. It's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. And it says, The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Again, Proverbs 12, verse 26. So mm. the righteous should choose his friends carefully? That means, why am I hanging out with these people? Because the way of the wicked leads them astray. He doesn't say, well, the righteous should be friends with just all these different people because eventually it's going to have a good influence on them. No, you choose them carefully because evil company corrupts good habits. I don't want them to be an influence on me. And, and that goes for me, that goes for you, that goes for all of us. None of us are, are above being tempted to be led astray in this area. And uh, the last thing to go with what you're saying, I know rebuke is uncomfortable for people. And a lot of times it's uncomfortable for the person that's given it. I, I know it's been the case for me. And it's also uncomfortable for receiving. But like Wes echoed earlier, it is love. And I know we're all familiar with the second greatest commandment in Leviticus 19. That was the last place I wanted to go. Is right before that, which is it's verse uh, Leviticus 19, verse 18. After he, he said, you shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love the, your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So second most famous commandment, most important commandment in all of Scripture, Leviticus 19, 18. Let's look at the verse right before it in verse 17. And, and this was hard for me at first as a Christian because I, I don't like rebuking people. But it, it, it has to be. And, and look at how it's tied to love here. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, verse 17. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. Mm. So us rebuking somebody, us not bearing sin as a nation, as a people, as a community, as a, a mini body, a portion of the body of Christ, of believers, we're not going to bear that sin. We're going to not hate our brother by just sitting there and saying nothing. We're going to say something to them because we love them and we don't want to hate our brother in the heart. And that's why the rebuke or exhortation or whatever you want to call it, correction, is coming across. So I, I'm, I'm really glad that you're, you're talking this today. And I pray that it's received by those that need it. I mean, thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. So what do we what do we see here? Uh, that was a great scripture also in, in I was first Corinthians 15, 33 and 34, where he where he talks about uh, evil companionships corrupt good morals. Uh, but awake to righteousness and, and quit sinning. You know, um, that that it's gonna corrupt. And some people may may sit back and think, you know, because they're thinking in their own rationale, they think it in their own mind. Because they're still in the natural mind. They don't have that spiritual mind, so they're not looking at what, what the Scripture says. I mean, we've gone over Scripture after Scripture after Scripture of what he's talking about. And, and you could be th they could be thinking, well, I just want to be, you know, follow my heart. You know, I just want to just, just love them, you know, and just, and just make them feel this and that. You know, if you really love them, how about living the gospel? How about living what the Word of God says and being that example? You know, how about, how about really, really caring about somebody else, about your testimony and so forth? Because you don't care about your testimony enough to make a difference you still, you, if you're still living part of your old life that's still there. Um, you know, a lot of people could think, well, this, this is, Don's been pretty harsh. This is a pretty harsh message. No, I, I'm just, I just have to emphasize it because it's continuing to go on and on. This has got to stop. You know, and you say, well, I, I'm going to walk away. Walk away then. Go, go, go down the road. But you know what? These words aren't going away. You're going to have to open this Bible again, and you're going to have to see them again. And you can try to twist them. You can try to do whatever you want and readjust them and, and get your eyes closed. And God will give you a reprobate mind if you want it. He'll send you strong delusion to believe a lie. You know, if that's what you really want. If you want to just think like that. Or you, do you want to submit yourself to the Word of God and say, yes, God, you're right, I'm wrong. 
I need to get this right. It's not about being mad at Don or being mad at somebody else for what, what was said today, but it's about are you going to live up to this gospel? Are you going to live this life? Or are you going to justify it because you're thinking, well, I don't want to make anybody mad at me? You know what? This gospel will cost you. It cost Jesus his life. It cost him his life because he did that. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid to lose disciples, okay? Read John chapter 6 when he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. And, and 70 of them walked away. Just about all of them but 12. And they walked away. He said, hey guys, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me explain things better here. Let me, let, let me, let me try to uh, uh, love you guys in, you know. Let me try to just show you some love. Come on, bro. let's show some love to them. No, he didn't do that. Matter of fact, he turned to the other 12 and he said, would you go also? You want to go too? And one of them was the devil out of the 12. So he only had 11. Because it cost him something. It cost him what popularity in the earth. He wasn't very popular here on earth. Neither was Paul. Neither was the other disciples. They all, they all stayed after him. But here he says, if you'll come out from among them, and you'll make that separation and say, you know what? I'm not doing that. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to socialize with those that are calling themselves brothers and are not or the, or with the world. He says, if you'll do that, he says, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do, the Lord says. I'm going to receive you. I'm going to receive you. Some people say, well, you need to receive Jesus. No, you, you need Jesus to receive you. It's not about you accepting the Lord. It's about the Lord accepting you. It's not about you receiving the Lord. It's about the Lord receiving you. You're not fit. You're the one that needs, uh, needs help, not God. God, don't, God doesn't need you. God doesn't need you to do him a favor and serve him. He don't need a favor from you. You need the favor. You need to do it God's way. You need to be obedient to God. God's not your Santa Claus. You're his servant. The scripture I say all the time, Luke 17, 10 says, said, after you've done everything that he's commanded you to do, say, I'm an unprofitable servant, and I only do that, did that which is my duty to do. But he said here, he says, and, and I will be a father to you if you'll do this. That's God's promise. I'll be your father. There were, at one time, the, 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 the scribes and Pharisees thought that Abraham was their father. He says, no, your, your father's not Abraham. Your father's the devil. Some of you, the father, your father's the devil. It's not God. He said, but if you'll do this, he said, I'll receive you and I'll be a father to you and you will be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord, not say it does, but say it the Lord God Almighty. He says, wherefore, seeing that you, you have these promises, having therefore these promises, he says, what are you going to do? You need to cleanse yourself from all unrighteousness of the flesh and spirit and perfect holiness in the fear of God. You got to do something with this. Say, okay, God, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm coming out from among them, God. I'm not going to, keep, keep, I'm not going to partake of that old life anymore. I'm not going to hang out with the, with the world. I'm not going to look for, I'm not going to seek for a wife. I'm going to wait on you, Lord. I'm not going to go out and, and, and be with someone that's outside of, of Christ because, just because they say they're a Christian, just because they say they're Christ. They need to line up with, with, with this word of God just like you do. I'll leave it alone. Touch not the unclean thing. They're unclean. Wow. It breaks my heart to see what goes on. What are you compromising in your mind? Because you're thinking, you're calling this love? That's not love. That's hate. 
You're hindering them and yourself from the kingdom of God. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, says, by keeping this word of God and walking in his doctrine, he says, you'll save yourself and those that hear you. But instead, you'll lose your life. You'll lose yourself and those that hear you if you walk into compromise. Amen. Yeah, Eric. Thank you. Matt uh, brought up the body of Christ. And I think everyone needs to consider, are you worthy of being a part of the body of Christ? It's got to be first and foremost in your mind in this decision to walk this life. God wishes no one to perish. He sent an invitation. Remember at the end of Luke, the banquet, sending invitations out. He doesn't want anybody to, to, to miss this, but yet he was given excuses. I bought oxen. Please forgive me, right? Um, I bought land, please forgive me. I have a wife, please forgive me. Invitations are being sent out to you. Accept the invitation. And I'll just finish with the scripture just shortly thereafter that Jesus said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren <coughs> and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether ye have sufficient to finish it? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Garrick. I think there's some decisions that need to be made amongst the people of God. And I hope this message touched you. I hope it changed your life. Thank you, Lord. Not, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter God's kingdom Not everyone That says unto me Lord, Lord Shall enter God's kingdom But he that does the will of my Father, he shall have eternal life. Not everyone that says unto me, shall enter God's kingdom. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter God's kingdom. 
Everybody that does the will of my Father, he shall have eternal life. He shall have Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. Lord is in you. Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love. Brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. Knowing the Lord. Brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Wonderful Lord. I love you, Lord. I praise you and honor you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word, God. Thank you, Lord, for your word, God. Have your way, Jesus. You're so good, Lord. God is so God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. 
God, you're so good, you're so good to me. I love you so, I love you so, I love you so, you're so good to Thank you, Lord. What a blessing. Thank you, honey. I'd like at this time for us to, uh, if you would, and everybody to join in on Skype and YouTube. This time we'd like to have the uh, Lord's Supper in remembrance of what our Lord has done for us. We'd like to uh, take a, maybe if you have a piece of bread and grape juice, is what we have here. And uh, we're going to stand together. And uh, have the Lord's Supper together, if you would. And uh, what a great time to examine yourselves and see if these words touched your life today. And if they have, that um, you make a move in that. And that um, you take the necessary steps to walk in obedience to what the Lord's Word says in your life before it's too late. Um, examine yourself, the Bible says, prove your own selves whether you're being to faith. We don't want to see anyone sick or die among us because they didn't do that. You want to discern the Word of God, the body of Christ, and you want to take the Word of God, the precious Word of God, and apply it to your life and live, and live that life in Him. As uh, Jesus was there with His disciples in a room much like this, he uh, was there getting ready to go to Gethsemane to drink the cup that he had spoken of that he must drink of losing his life so that we might have life, so that our sins could be washed away. And together with the Last Supper with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that I give for you. As you partake of me, take this and eat it, all of you. They took it and they ate. After that, he'd taken the cup. I know Matt's been talking a lot about the, the covenants, but this blood represents a new covenant. The covenant that Christ made with us through His blood that would wash away all of our past sins and impute righteousness of His into us as, we were, as we've turned and with godly sorrow to repentance and turn from our sin, never to sin again, and be washed in His blood. 
by that blood that dripped from that cross, he made this possible. So take this in 